0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Takes a shot. Runs into the box. Shot. Score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer.
1: Rebound. goal.
0: This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore.
1: Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9, the game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show where we talk soccer in Atlanta, in Georgia, in the Southeast, all over the country, all over the world. That's what we do on AST. And make sure you are subscribed to Off the Woodwork. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, you can also get it on the Odyssey app. That's where all of our soccer content from 92.9 The Game drops. If you can't join us live, you can always catch it on demand on Off the Woodwork. It was a, a really busy week in, in my soccer world. It was a very busy week in the Atlanta United world. Lots of really good things happened this week that we're going to talk about throughout the show. And then there was the 4-0 match at Red Bull Arena on Saturday night. Uh, bad loss. Bad goals given up. Really bad night at the office. Um, we got to talk a little bit about Wednesday as well, which had some good and some bad in it. A 2-2 home draw against NYC. Number of key players absent. Six homegrowns on the field at the end. Nicholas Firmino gets the goal on a short-term call-up to get you a point. But giving up bad opening goals... It's a massive problem as of late, and there's three that stand out in pretty recent memory, and, and look, that's a problem. This team's a great attacking team, but the attack is about as good as it can be in terms of results. You're one goal off the league lead now. You've been trading it back and forth with Columbus as of late. This is a really good attacking team. There's only so much more you can ask the attack to do. I mean, can you get an extra goal per game out of this attack when you're already around two goals per game? Man, that's not an easy recipe for success. So what can you do to get better results? Not give up as many goals. That's, I know, obvious. Duh. I think the more important element is not giving up as many opening goals in a match and not giving up as many bad opening goals in a match. Let's go back through the three that come to mind. We'll go back to New England at home, which wasn't that long ago. A 3-3 draw. Atlanta had to come back and then ended up losing it with a bad late goal, but we're talking bad opening goals. That first goal was very bad. It's playing out of the back, which this team will always do, and has served them many, many times to create opportunities going forward. You're not gonna just play it long. That's not gonna happen. But you can't have what happened against New England, where Miles Robinson plays a bad ball back to Brad Kazan. He makes it worse with a giveaway through the middle, and it's 1-0 in the first minute. Well, Wednesday, it was 1-0 after the first minute. This one wasn't as egregious, but it's still a bad goal to give up that early. It's really nothing happening in the first 30 seconds or so. Noah Cobb in his second MLS start. and Look, I don't put a lot of this on Noah Cobb, honestly. He's trapped in the middle third. He doesn't really have much to do there. He loses it in the middle third, right around midfield. Okay, he recovers well. NYC plays to Keaton Parks. Parks with a great ball out to the right. I'll give Keaton Parks a ton of credit. Plays a great ball out to the right. Gets a 1v1 with Gabriel Pereira and Andrew Gutman. And Pereira wins the 1v1. And it's it's a bad goal to give up in that moment. Pereira gets Gutman to overcommit. He does have Caleb Wiley coming back to try to help close it down and take away the left foot. Wiley can't get there in time. You're asking him to cover a lot of ground. Gutman overcommits to the end line to take the right foot away. It leaves the opening for the left foot. I think Brad Gazan's partially screened as well as Gootman is in front. Um, and it's a really well-placed shot from Pereira. It's into the side netting right inside of the post. But that's two goals given up in the first minute. The goal at Red Bull Arena was not given up in the first minute. But it was as egregious as the other two in terms of a bad goal to give up to open a match. And you can't do it against a team like the Red Bulls. I, I had to pull out my, my notebook to make sure I had the numbers right on this because there, there's some things in the Red Bulls' notes, which full credit to the Red Bulls' comm staff, their match notes are some of the best in the league. Since they went to their high press... The Red Bulls, when conceding first, this is 2015, since 2015, the New York Red Bulls, when giving up the first goal, 18 wins, 67 losses, 23 draws. The reverse of that, when they score the first goal with their pressing style, 27 draws, 21 losses, and 105 wins. You can add one more, 106 now. They're great at home. They're great with the first goal. And the style of play makes it even more imperative that you can't give up a goal like Atlanta did in the first half on Saturday night. It's a throw in. And I said it on Dukes and Bell earlier today. I said it to Doc Sock, John Chuckery just a little while ago. It's a throw in, it's not a dangerous situation. It's a throw-in in the attacking third. It's a throw-in 15 yards off the end line. It's not a dangerous situation, folks. It's a throw-in. It takes two bounces in the 18 and the ball's in the back of the net. Daniel Edelman hits it well. Good job. Like it's a nice goal from him. But it's a throw-in. And it's a, a spot where I don't know if Gootman gets sucked a little bit too deep to the end line. If it's just he he loses track of Edelman, there's not really anybody else that you're going to put this on. I mean, yes, people could have found a scooter to get there faster to try to block it, but it's a throw-in. It shouldn't be able to bounce twice into the 18 and then goal. That just can't happen. It can't. I'm sorry. Like, there's nothing to justify it. That's three goals to open matches that are all – varying degrees of bad and you're putting your offense in a hole and you're asking them to do things that are very difficult to do i mentioned the red bulls numbers when conceding first 18 wins out of 90 uh, over 100 108 games if i can do math quickly that's not many and that's probably on the lower side there's some teams that have stolen a few more after conceding first but as the old adage goes, goals change games. And in a, in a sport like this, where there's not a ton of goals in it typically, although Atlanta's trying to change that paradigm in 2023, when there's not a lot of goals in it, the first one is vital. And you can't give up bad ones to start games. Because you can't always expect your attack like they did against New England, like they did against NYC after giving up the first goal in the first minute. They came back. You can't expect that every time. What's more likely is what happened at Red Bull Arena. Now, I don't care about the margin. I'm going to make this abundantly clear, and I know people will have different opinions on it. That's completely fine. I have never been of the mindset of, well, you're down 2-0, just pack it up, make sure they don't score anymore, and just take your loss and move on. These guys got to be stronger than, and I think this team is because of the way that they fought back in games. I don't think giving up two goals off of deflections late in the game is going to demoralize this group. Um, if it does, I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked because those types of things have not demoralized them this season. You have to try to find your way back into it. When you've scored as many goals as Atlanta United has, you have to believe in your ability to do that. There's only two games that they haven't scored in, Saturday and at LAFC where you've got to scoreless draw. You have to go for it. And I thought, look, after conceding a a second right before the first half break, which wasn't a good one to concede, especially timing-wise, and it was forced. It was a ball that Juan Oparata tried to really thread the needle to get to Tiago Almada. I mean, 30 yards from goal, trying to get it through the middle to the center circle to Almada, who had made a curling run around. There's just too much traffic. And the bigger issue with that, it's not just trying to force a ball into a tight spot. Franco Ibarra did that twice in the the minutes prior to this. I I don't have the counts in front of me. But it was almost, it wasn't quite back-to-back-to-back. But it was in the same five, six-minute period. Ibarra in the midfield, further ahead, with players behind him. Tried to fit a ball through a tight spot in the middle. Turned over. You had cover. Ibarra's behind the ball at that point when it turns over. Center backs are behind the ball. You're structured okay to deal with that. And they did. They, they won it back. Both times. The Parata one is an issue on two fronts for me. One the situation and the situation is you had just had two turnovers through the middle and you had recovered the ball and handled your business, but it's almost the end of the half. You have two scares. Maybe that's where it's, you know what? I'm not going to play the third ball through there. Let's let's work it to the outside. Let's reset back to to Kazan. Let's do something other than what didn't work twice in a row. And second you can't do it when the team is structured the way that they were. They were wide open. The fullbacks were up high. Abram was was wide to the left. Parata was shaded over to the right. So when it turns over, he tries to play it through that tight spot. It's headed back towards him. He, he steps up and he he makes a play and he makes a decent play initially. But there's no one else in the middle. There's no one else, and he doesn't win the ball back. He makes a tackle. It kind of pops around. Red Bulls pop through with Kassaris, and there's no one centrally because there can't be because you're building up the play, which means you can't turn that ball over in that spot. It's different than the Ibarra turnovers in similar spots because you had cover. It's the central midfielder playing that ball, not the center back where you're spread wide open. So the awareness of the moment is, the awareness of the situation, the awareness of your team's positioning in that moment. That was bad. Concede the second goal. It's 2-0 at halftime. Things are very bad at this point. Machope Scholl brought some life. You had some chances in the second half. Had some good good run of play there for a while. Um, Not enough. You don't get the breakthrough. And then two goals the other way. They're both deflected. I mean, it's just, The things that happen when you have to start Really going to chase a game And they tried, and they they chased it And they went for it, and they couldn't find the breakthrough And ended up losing by two more goals Than probably they should have Okay, whatever Sixth place in the East right now That's what they Deserve to be That's that's as good as they are I mean, the table, when you get to this stage Of the season, about 20 games in for everybody 19 for some The table kind of is what it is, and it's It's real. I mean, these points are earned. Of course, luck factors into it sometimes, both ways. I think Atlanta's the sixth best team in the East. I think when you look ahead of them, you're looking at Cincinnati, New England, Nashville, Philly, Columbus. All of them have been better than Atlanta this season. You look at the teams behind them, Orlando, Montreal, D.C., that's the rest of the playoff teams, Charlotte, Red Bulls, Chicago, NYC, Toronto. All of them have not been as strong as Atlanta. I mean, the table tells you that. I think the eye test does too. But to get higher in the table, Atlanta has to be better defensively. They can't fall behind as often as they are right now. They can't give up these bad goals. It is not feasible to expect the team to score another goal per game to make up for the defensive mistakes. It's not realistic. Now, out of the entire league table, Atlanta United is ninth out of 29 sixth in the East, ninth overall, what that tells you, one, is the Eastern Conference is strong this year and stronger than the West. Two, the margin for error in the East is non-existent. And error is what's caused Atlanta to fall behind in those three times that I mentioned, New England, NYC, both at home, both goals in the first minute, and in at Red Bull arena. Next weekend, it's Philadelphia coming to the Benz. They've won five of their last seven. They're 1-1-1 and in their last three on the road, but their are two strikers, Julian Carranza and Michael Uwa. 17 goals between them. Daniel Gazdag makes an attacking trio that is very dangerous in transition. The defensive trio in the middle, very strong as well. Jose Martinez in front of the center backs, Jacob Glessness and Jack Elliott. Now, no Andre Blake. He's away on Gold Cup duty. It will be Joe Bendick in goal, most likely. But that didn't really matter over the weekend against Miami. Demolished Inter-Miami, 4-1. That was at home. It was in Philly. 3-0 at halftime, three different goal scorers. Atlanta can't make mistakes because Philly is a team that forces teams to make mistakes and then punishes them severely. Can't make those mistakes. Got to get the first goal. Got to be cleaner defensively. I feel like we'll be talking about this all week long, all over 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. But coming up next on Atlanta Soccer tonight in five minutes, we will get into the summer's international competitions. Take a look at what's going on with the U.S. men's national team, the U.S. women's national team, the Gold Cup, roster announcements, and more. AST coming back in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
1: Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, The Game, and the Odyssey app. Let's get into the summer of soccer on the national team tournament side of things. The U.S. men's national team, Saturday night, wasn't the best of nights for them either. They were opening the Gold Cup with a B roster. Uh, I mean, it's hard to judge these things. B slash C, I don't know. You tell me. It wasn't the first choice team that won the Nations League. They didn't look great against Jamaica, who was very strong with their roster I think on paper Jamaica and Mexico might have been a little bit ahead of the U.S. just in terms of rosters on paper and looking at CVs and all that kind of stuff the U.S. needed a late goal from Brandon Vasquez our old friend the U.S. Open Cup hero Brandon Vasquez maybe he can be the Gold Cup hero late goal got the 1-1 draw with Jamaica Saturday night in Chicago Jamaica came out strong, and speaking to players who will be missing this weekend for Philadelphia, said Andre Blake, he's with Jamaica. Damian Lowe is also with Jamaica. He scored the opening goal, 17th minute, from Damari Gray. Now, Damari Gray made his Jamaica debut in this match. He had represented England in youth level, Everton attacker. You had multiple Premier League attackers, Bailey, Gray, Antonio, but... Jamaica still has not won now in 11 matches across all competitions. It's a very talented group. They should get out of the group. And the U.S. should get out of the group as well when you look at this Gold Cup group. But you never know how these things go. Now, news today out of the training camp as they have moved to St. Louis, where they will play on Wednesday. Miles Robinson... Back training fully after a hamstring injury. Missed the Nations League final. Didn't play in the first game in the Gold Cup. Could play on Wednesday. And I'd expect to see some rotation in the lineup. Uh, Several players played 90 minutes on Saturday. Sands, uh, Jesus Ferreira, DeAndre Yedlin, Matt Miazga. Vasquez came off the bench and obviously got the goal. Was pretty good. Cade Cowell was very good off the bench. Gianluca Busio needs games. Needs minutes to get back into the rotation, I think, with a U.S with a first-choice group. DeWan Jones needs to prove himself, I think, at this level. Uh, Miles Robinson as well. He's going to push to start. Maybe doesn't start coming back from the hamstring, unless they've been very cautious. Maybe he comes off the bench. Maybe he starts the third game. It will be St. Kitts and Nevis on Wednesday for the U.S. It will be Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago, which will be very, very interesting. Trinidad and Tobago is actually leading Group A right now. 3-0 win over St. Kitts and Nevis yesterday. And our old friend Jay Fortune was a big part of that win with a great goal coming into the game in the second half. They won 3-0. So Trinidad and Tobago, three points. They lead the group. U.S. and Jamaica, one point. St. Kitts and Nevis on zero. Trinidad and Tobago play Jamaica at 7.30 in the first match in St. Louis. USA St. Kitts in the nightcap. It's going to be at City Park in St. Louis on Wednesday. You can watch those on FS1. In other Gold Cup action, Haiti. Derek Etienne started. Looked like he was playing centrally as well. They came back in a a big win for Haiti. They beat Qatar 2-1, the guests in the tournament. Uh, got the scoring started, and they couldn't make it hold up. Haiti comes back to win 2-1. They've got a pretty good road to get out of the group going into the quarterfinals. Mexico, they scored first. They looked really good. This is the exact same group with Mexico that played in the Nations League. This is their first choice right now. Uh, new manager, Jaime Lozano, and a really good start for him. 4-0 win over Honduras. Um, they needed a statement kind of win. They got got it we'll see if they can keep it going maybe a little bit early to get super excited when it comes to Mexico but you know we'll see it's it's a good starting point um today in gold cup action Martinique they were a man down for almost the entire second half and they got a win over El Salvador 2-1 at Drive Pink Stadium A really big win. for Sorry, 3-1. They got a really big win in that one. Panama in the nightcap just finished up. They got a 2-1 win over Costa Rica in Group C. And that rivalry, Panama and Costa Rica, don't discount that rivalry. That's turning into a pretty good one in CONCACAF right now. Panama gets the win tonight. So tomorrow... Group D gets started, and it is Canada and Guadeloupe, and Guatemala and Cuba that will get everybody their first game under their belts before Group A comes back on Wednesday with the U.S. men's national team and St. Kitts around 10 o'clock Eastern time on FS1 Wednesday night from St. Louis. Let's move over to the U.S. women's national team side. Big announcement last week, the roster for the World Cup. The U.S. is trying to become the first team, men's or women's, to win three straight World Cups. It's not going to be easy. One, because the the level of talent around the world has steadily increased and I think is at its peak right now. It's never been better in terms of competitiveness. Injuries have affected the U.S. as well. They're going to be missing their captain, Becky Sauerbrunn. Aggravated foot injury won't be going to the World Cup. Sam Mewis, supposed to be in her prime, hasn't been able to shake a knee injury. It, it hampered her at the Olympics in 21. It's pretty much kept her off the field since. Katerina Macario tore ACL playing in Europe, has not recovered in time. A knee injury also took Mallory Swanson out of the mix, who started the year really well. So it's this interesting mix for Vlatko Andonovski of some veterans and some youth. Youth will be in the back, and a very important part of this team, obviously. Alyssa Nair, probably going to be the starter in goal. Uh, won the World Cup last time out. Hasn't had a great start to the season in the NWSL, but has the experience. And you're going to need that without Sauerbrunn in the mix. Probably going to be Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook starting at center back. They were battling to see who would start next to Sauerbrunn. It looks like they're going to be the starters. They played 397 minutes together in friendlies last fall and earlier this year. You also have Julie Ertz as cover if Gurma or Cook struggle at any point. And Ertz has played some center back. I think Julie Ertz in the midfield is incredibly important for this team. I don't know if they can win the World Cup without Julie Ertz in the holding midfield. I'm not sure if they can do that. And she's got to get back to... Look, as good a form as she can possibly get to, you know? I mean, she uh, is getting back into regular playing right now with Angel City FC. I, I think it's unfair to expect her to be as good as she has been for the U.S. Women's National Team, but can she be at her best right now going into this tournament? If she's not, I'm more worried. If she is... You've got some stabilizing forces around Gurma and Cook, if that's your center back duo. If you can have Ertz in front, who could also drop into the back line, maybe spell them if you have to make some subs, okay. You have Emily Sonnet as well, who has been playing in the holding midfield in NWSL, but also normally a center back. So another veteran with experience who can help steady the ship. Megan Rapino, Kelly O'Hara, they're headed to their fourth World Cup. Both have had some little minor injuries here in the last couple of months, uh, but both are expected to be a full go by the time they get to Australia and New Zealand. I'm really excited to see some of the young guns in the attack. Ashley Sanchez has been a player that I have just loved watching in the NWSL. I'm excited to see her. I'm excited to see Trinity Rodman, who this could be the world coming out party for Trinity Rodman to understand just how good she is unbelievable talent and look i know everybody's going to focus on the last name and her father and that's not fair to trinity she is potentially going to be one of the players of the tournament she has that level of ability she has that level of confidence and speaking of confidence you got sophia smith the reigning nwsl mvp uh, has been on a tear in nwsl lately i think goals in her last three games the future's bright for that young attacking trio and how do you get The balance, right? And I think that's the biggest challenge for Vlatko Andonovsky in this tournament. There's going to be times where you need the young legs, the confidence, the swagger. You're going to need that in some games. But there's going to be some games, and look, it might not come until later in the tournament. It might be more in the knockout rounds. But there's going to be those moments where you need that steady hand. You need that steady bit of experience to get through difficult times in matches that the U S has always been able to rise to the occasion. in. the mentality has always been what has separated the U S women's national team from the rest of the world. I think it's not as big of a gap as it used to be the physicality side, another area where the U S has separated themselves historically. I don't, think that is as wide as it used to be. Technically, I think there's teams that are better than the U.S. in terms of, of skill level on the ball. Tactically, I think there's some teams who are as good or better than the U.S. women's national team. But that character is going to be important. And with a team with so many young players in key roles, could be two young center centerbacks. Uh, Gurma, who was really good in NWSL last year, uh, kind of a surprise uh, to be at the level that she was, Defender of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year, just an incredible talent. Alana Cook, I I think people have waited for her to get to this point. She's had the ability, but would it fully blossom? And and that's the thing you never know with young players. And when you get to a tournament like this, and you have questions, that can worry a manager like Vlatko Andonovsky. that can worry a fan base, and it should, because the gap is not what it used to be. The Netherlands, I think, will be better than they were last time out. Spain could be better than they were last time out. England, now they're dealing with some injuries. They should be better than they were last time out. You have plenty of other talented teams. Brazil's going to try to send Marta out on a high. Um, you have a very young Japanese team that is going to be one to watch. You have Germany, who is always a difficult team in this tournament. France as well, even though France has had some difficulties on the relationship side between the players and the coaching staff. We'll see how that comes together. It's a wide-open tournament in my mind. It is an absolute wide-open tournament. The U.S. could run away with it. If Germa and Cook and that trio of, of Smith and Rodman and Sanchez in the attack are able to play like they've been there before, the U.S. could run away with things. If you need Alex Morgan to have multiple massive games in this tournament, if you need Megan Rapino to do what she's done in previous tournaments for the U.S., I don't know if she can anymore, not throughout the whole tournament. Can she have moments? Absolutely. And that's a great weapon to have off the bench when you need that moment, is to bring on Megan Rapino. If you're relying on Kelly O'Hara, Crystal Dunn. Who, Crystal Dunn was an unbelievable fullback in the last World Cup. Just an incredible fullback. And she doesn't typically play fullback. For club level, she doesn't play fullback. She plays in the attacking midfield. She plays up top. But with the U.S., she's a fullback. She hasn't played fullback since her last caps with the U.S. It's been a minute. Can she get back to that form? Can she be that good? Can Julie Ertz be what she was before? Or can you get by with Julie Ertz still finding her footing and playing her way back into that form? It's going to be a really fun tournament. Um, The the time difference will be a little challenging at times, although the first two games for the U.S. will be 9 p.m. kickoffs uh, here in Atlanta. I'm looking forward to it. Because the Women's World Cup, and if you're snobbish about it, I just beg of you, beg of you, to watch this tournament as much as you can this summer. Because you will see players with individual skill levels that will blow your mind. You'll see amazing team play. You'll see some really compelling stories throughout the rosters on these teams. It is such a fun ride. The 2019 tournament was an absolute blast. That semifinal between the U.S. and England, controversy, incredible quality, big moments. I mean, everything you can ask for in a compelling match. I can't wait for the Women's World Cup. We're going to have a lot of coverage here on AST, but we're also going to have some special podcasts throughout the tournament Jessica Charman coming back to hang out on those. And we're going to have some live shows as well outside of the AST window on Monday nights after the U.S. games at 9 o'clock or before the middle of the night, mid-morning games. We'll do an 11 o'clock pregame show, essentially, to get you ready for it. So schedule is coming together as we go, but we will have plenty of Women's World Cup coverage this summer on ninety-two ninety Game and the Odyssey app. But coming up next, it's the 343, three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Coming up next in five, the 343 on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 3-4-3. 3-4-3. Three Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
1: Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app, putting a bow on the show with the 3-4-3. Three local stories, four headlines, Three things that make me smile about the game that I love so much. Let's jump into it on the local side. Number one, Atlanta United 2. Man, I am not going to lie to y'all. Last night, calling the game for our SDH network. We do the radio calls for the twos games. When it was 2-0 in the 50th minute after coming back after the game at Red Bull Arena that finished 4-0 and... Being tired and and having to wait for the game to start because of weather in the area. Started about an hour and a half after it was supposed to. And it's 2-0 in the 50th minute. And the, the second goal was not like what the first team has given up. But it was a goal that would just drive you crazy. And it's Alan Carlton not really even making a mistake. Uh, Talked to Jose Silva, who was in charge for the night as uh, Steve Cook was suspended on yellow card accumulation, the manager for the twos. And Jose was dead on. You know, you call it a mistake. It's not a mistake. He slipped. The, it had rained a lot. The field was very slick. And Carlton turned and, and slipped. And that gave NYC the opportunity to go in and score the second goal. I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, what a weekend. So many promising things. And then this happens. Well. The twos, luckily, for my sanity, uh, came roaring back. Jackson Conway from the spot. Aiden McFadden with a rocket from a narrow angle. I thought he was going to cross. He instead just rips it into the far upper 90 from inside the 18, almost up against the, the, the end line. And then Nick Firmino. What a week for Nick Firmino. He gets that goal on Wednesday night at the Benz to rescue a point, an incredible moment. He makes the trip to Red Bull Arena. He's on the bench, doesn't get used. I think if it had been close, he actually would have been used to try to chase that game. If it had still been 2-0 in the last 10 minutes, he might have come on. Well, he didn't. Flew back. I don't know where Nick lives in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, I know I got home a little after 2 o'clock in the morning. Somewhere around that ballpark, Um, I don't know how well Nick goes to sleep after flights. It's a little bit of a struggle for me. It took me a while. Hopefully, it didn't for him. Well, he was a monster in this game. He had the go-ahead goal and in the goal, that really put it beyond reach. And they were both really good goals. A great finish from about 25 yards out and an incredible turn in the 18 and beats the goalkeeper. Puts him on 10 goals this season in MLS Next Pro. You add in the one with the first team, 11 goals in, in all competitions with the club this year. Just an incredible night for Firmino, an incredible comeback for Atlanta United too. in a game where it easily, and maybe in the past, it would have gotten away from them after a little bit of bad luck on a slip. It would have gotten out of hand. And last year, they gave up a lot of goals in those situations. This year... They came back and they won 4-2 And it was a joy to watch A joy to call And just like I said Watch the Women's World Cup this summer If you get a chance to go out to Kennesaw to watch the twos Highly recommended So much young talent on display And my number two on the local stories Is one of those young talented players That you need to watch Johnny Vial. Vial started the season really well He played really well in the offseason friendly Against Aberdeen Uh, To the point that Scottish fans were first, like, who is this little guy coming into the match? And why are they bringing a small child into the game? And then they wanted to have him come to Scotland on loan because he was that good. Just dribbling past everybody. So, started the season well. Broke his foot about a month in. Had been out for a long while. Came back last weekend in the draw in Toronto for his first minutes came in last night in the 56th minute. It was 2-0 NYC at that point. Drew the penalty to make it 2-1 like 3 minutes after coming on. Just brilliant in the 18. Cross gets all the way to him on the back pl- on the back post, brings it down, dribbles, draws the foul, draws a penalty. He assisted the next goal for Mcfadden. He assisted the fourth goal. He set up the third after a blocked shot. The all came in at 2-0 down and was instrumental in every goal that Atlanta United 2 scored. He's not a big guy. He is an unbelievable wizard on the ball. He is a Mexican youth international as well, and he is such a fun talent to watch. Johnny Vial is a reason to go out to Fifth Third Bank Stadium to watch Atlanta United 2. Number three. A player who has been a reason to go out to watch Atlanta United 2 will not be with the 2s any further, Vicente Reyes. And this is the third on the local stories. Reyes has signed with Norwich City. 19 years old, signed a long-term deal at Carrow Road. I'm not sure how many years that is. He's going to come through the the upper end of their academy setup first, their development team. It's, It's kind of a similar setup in that they have reserve teams. They have U23 teams, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to go through that to figure out where he fits into the club, but they have high hopes for him. He's played for Atlanta United 2, played in USL Championship, played in MLS Next Pro. He's played five games for Chile's U20s. Now, from my understanding, okay, one, he's 19. He was on a professional contract with Atlanta United 2. From my understanding, the club wanted him to stay and wanted him to continue his development here. And he got the opportunity to go to Norwich, And wanted to make the move And they didn't want to stand in his way Um, Is he ready for a homegrown contract Right now? No No, and and I think there's some other guys That might be in line on homegrown contracts Not goalkeepers, but other players And you have to look at your roster And how all that structures out Could he have been ready in a year or two? Yes Uh, Reyes was a player that I thought Might end up being the long-term replacement For Brad Gazan when his time comes Not going to happen now unless he comes back, which is always possible. Uh, But Reyes, gone to Norwich City, I think what this does is it makes the return from knee injury of Justin Garces, who is on a homegrown contract, is a little bit older than Vicente Reyes and played a good bit last year and was really good at times in USL Championship with Atlanta United 2. Had the knee injury in August. He's played two games now since coming back. He played in Columbus on the last road trip. This was his first return at home. Garces is an incredible shot stopper. I've had a chance to watch him work a little bit last year in preseason uh, with the, the goalkeeper staff and, and Brad Gazan and everybody else who was there. And what struck me about Justin Garces is he's a sponge. Anything that anyone told him to, to do to work on, to modify, and his shot stopping and his movement and his footwork – He was picking it up so quick So now he's got to get games under his belt He's got to get going again He's got every opportunity to be the next in line He's on a first team deal He's on a homegrown deal He is loaned to Atlanta United 2 for the season He won't factor in this season in MLS Hopefully without any more injuries At goalkeeper But Garces is one to watch And he's got those couple of years on Reyes And that's probably why Even though the club wanted Reyes to stay You can't stand in his way when there is somebody already in his way here in the development pipeline. I hate it in terms of being for the club because I I would have loved to have seen Vicente Reyes make the the rise all the way from the U-12s up to the first team in goal. I'm really rooting for him at Norwich. He's a, a great kid, and he's got a great future ahead of him, and Norwich has really made a nice signing here, and I hope he can continue to develop but Vicente Reyes will not be developing with Atlanta United any further. Four headlines from around the world. Let's start in MLS. Updates off the field in number one here. Bob Bradley fired today in Toronto. What, about one and a half seasons with Toronto. Um, really poor run of results that has them second from the bottom in the Eastern Conference. Three seven and ten. Never got going for Bradley, who also had a complete say over the build of the roster, and I thought the roster was very bad last season, very badly built. Corrected some of those mistakes coming into this year. Had some bad luck with injuries this year. That's absolutely been a factor, but not good enough. And Toronto will be looking for another manager. They have really went through a whole lot of managers outside of Greg Vanny and his time of success there. Will the next guy last? just have to wait and see. Uh, Other MLS updates from off the field. Miami, they teased the signing on Friday of Sergio Busquets and reports out of Argentina state that Lionel Messi will be introduced alongside Busquets in Miami on July 16th and then make his club debut in the League's Cup opener against Cruz Azul, and then a couple days later will play his second match for Inter-Miami against Atlanta United, second game of the group stage in League's Cup. Buckle up, folks. It's going to be a wild, wild summer and ride with Leo coming to Miami and MLS. Number two on the headlines, Real Madrid. They're still cautious, but they are starting to feel more optimistic about the signing of Kylian Mbappe. Now, Real Madrid doesn't want to talk about it too openly because it looked like he was going to go last summer. He ended up making this really quick U-turn to stay with PSG, but everything's lining up. I mean the public statements from everybody. Mbappe says he wants to stay at PSG for one more year and then leave on a free. PSG is saying no, we want him to stay forever, and they don't want him to walk on a free. They they can't get a new deal done with him. Um, sources are telling ESPN, and Mbappe wants to sign with Madrid this summer. PSG wants to get a transfer fee for Mbappe. If Madrid's going to cut a large check, I think PSG is going to take said large check, and Mbappe's going to get what he wants, and PSG's going to be able to reset. And Real Madrid's going to be insane with Mbappe, Rodrigo, and Vinicius Jr. up front. (sighs) More silly season updates. Number three on the headline side. Manchester City, they have put in a bid for Declan Rice. Reportedly, 80 million pounds, an extra 10 million in add-ons. They're trying to beat Arsenal out for his signature that's insane money, I'm sorry, for Declan Rice. I mean, City's got it. Arsenal's got it. The Premier League teams have it. But there's no way anybody else in the world would pay that kind of money for Declan Rice. I think he's a very good player. 80 million pounds good? Ooh. Ooh. That's just, I, I, I can't. No, I don't I don't get it. But those clubs have the money to spend. Barcelona, they've announced a deal to sign Ilkay Gundogan from Manchester City on a free transfer. Out of contract, Barcelona's going to pay him more money. He's going to join on July 1st on a two-year deal with the option for a third. Arsenal has locked down. They're still trying to get Declan Rice, but they have locked down Kai Havertz. He will be moving over from Chelsea in a deal for around £65 million, which is about the same price Chelsea paid to bring him in from Leverkusen three years ago. Chelsea gets the money now, or at least gets to put it on their books now, so it helps their accounts for the current season if they do it before June 30th, which all helps them a lot because they spent a crazy amount of money in this past fiscal year manchester united they've made contact to sign adrian rabio um he would come out free from juventus at the end of june 28 years old united is looking for some signings as well trying to make that jump to compete with city to get past some of the other big clubs in england eric Hag has done a good job so far can he make the jump I don't know yet. I think Arsenal might be the, the solid number two. And if they get these signings in, they're going to be even more competitive with City going into next season. Number four on the headlines, Canada's Soccer Federation might have to file bankruptcy. And their interim general secretary, Jason DeVos, is talking about it publicly. Uh, they might not be able to play international friendlies in the September window because they can't afford it. And they had to turn down friendlies that Mexico ended up getting in Europe in that window. It, it's really a bad situation. They are down to their cash reserves of 2.4 million Canadian at the end of 2022, um, down 7.1 million from a year earlier. They're being investigated by the Canadian government for poor governance and, and failing to take allegations of abuse seriously. Uh, There is an audit has been ordered into the organization for a lack of financial transparency. And yes, they're about to go bankrupt. Uh, Possibly, maybe. They might have to do that. They're saying they don't want to, but they're talking about it publicly, which is never a good sign for a federation that's going to be involved in hosting the next men's World Cup and is sending their women to the World Cup this summer. And I hope they can actually, like, put them up in good hotels and get them on good flights heading over and not have them on standby. But we will see Canada soccer. Three things that make me smile about the game that I love so much, um, and it was needed after that game at Red Bull Arena. The Atlanta United Unified team, they won on Saturday at Red Bull Arena. Anthony Hernandez with two goals and just the celebrations from him and Liam Stewart and just seeing the smiles on their faces. Uh such a cool thing to be involved with the unified team. I love getting a chance to call those games. Everybody who puts all of their time into it. lena Saul all with the club. Uh, Marissa Aarons and, and everybody else who's just so involved. Uh, Marty Jellamy, their coach, uh, and all of his staff. It's so much fun to see the rewards of it in a game like that. Uh, it brings a smile to my face. They were smiling the whole time and had so much fun in that game. It was great. Uh, number two, the farewell games played in Argentina over the weekend for Maxi Rodriguez and Juan Ramon Riquelme. It's such a cool thing to do. I wish our sports culture embraced these sorts of things. Guys who have just retired or are retiring or have been retired for a little while, bring some friends back, have some current players play. It's kind of, you know, I mean, Lionel Messi played in both of them for Argentina against Newell's old boys and against Boca Juniors. But it's just a fun celebration of what those players meant to their clubs. And and I wish that our culture embraced it. Maybe we will as MLS continues to get older. But it was so cool to see all the videos and excitement around those two games. And number three on the Smiles, Atlanta United's U16s. They won the MLS Next Cup final on Saturday in Texas 3-1. Kevin Kratz did an amazing job with these kids. And this was the group that lost their goalkeeper Um it would have been a little over a year ago. Christian Cattario, uh tragically passed away, and he was with this group. And so many of the kids uh, throughout the tournament had armbands and, and sent messages on social media that they were playing for Chris. And it's something that really bonded that group together and helped them in some of the difficult moments in this tournament. And they had some challenges, and they got through it. They only gave up a handful of goals in the tournament. And there are some players in this group, Rocket Rita Rita, uh, Cooper Sanchez. They have both played for Atlanta United too this season. There's some names that you're going to need to get to know. Really cool to see the success they've had and really cool to see how they have just come together in the face of tragedy to succeed and thrive. And there is so much more to come from this group. The Atlanta United U16s, the second academy national championship for the club. Stoppage time back on Wednesday. Mike Conti and myself on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. 2 p.m. on Wednesday. Join us live there. March to Match Day will be posted on Fridays. We get ready for Philadelphia. That's going to be on Sunday afternoon. 4 o'clock for the Five Stripes Countdown. Kickoff will be a little bit closer to 5. The game's on Apple TV. It's also on Fox. And you'll be able to listen to it on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with me for another edition of AST. Adios, everybody.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.